Years ago, back when Steve Martin did stand-up comedy, he had this one bit where he said, you can be a millionaire. You can be a millionaire and never pay taxes. You say, Steve, how can I be a millionaire and never pay taxes? First, get a million dollars. Now you say, Steve, what do I do when the tax man comes knocking on my door? And he says, you never paid your taxes. Two simple words. Two simple words in the English language. I forgot. He said, these two simple words can keep us out of so much trouble. Imagine you robbed a bank and the judge said to you, why did you rob the bank? And you simply said, I forgot that robbing a bank was illegal. Now, if that were to actually happen, as ridiculous as it sounds, the judge would probably say something to you like, well, ignorance of the law is no excuse. And the very first time that we know of that it was ever written in history where Ignorance of the law is no excuse. That principle was put into uh, writing was in Leviticus chapter 5, verse 17. And it says, Now if a person sins and does any of the things which the Lord has commanded not to be done, though he was unaware, he is still guilty and shall bear his punishment. And, of course, we understand why ignorance of the law is no excuse. I mean, if it was, all we'd have to do is claim ignorance every time we did something wrong. I mean, can you imagine that type of a scenario at home? Sorry I cheated on you, honey. I didn't know it was wrong. Sorry I cheated on you again, honey. I didn't know it was wrong. Again. I mean, that just wouldn't work. I would suggest to you that ignorance of that law is not, also, it's not just uh, no excuse, but it's also completely unbelievable. And I would also suggest that you not cheat. Now, in the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul has made it clear that there are two paths that people take. You take one of these two paths. And the first path is where you're just selfishly ambitious. You do your own thing. And this path leads down a spiral of depravity that eventually ends in death. The second path that some people take is to try to do the right thing. People try to obey God's law. Many times these are religious people trying to obey God's law. And here's the problem, Paul says, with both approaches. No matter which path you take, you're still going to be judged. It doesn't matter which path you take. You're still going to be judged. There's no way around it. And by the way, your lineage makes no difference either. I mean, it doesn't matter who your ancestors were. Even if you're part of God's chosen people, you're part of the Jewish people, you would not escape the judgment of God. Because God uses the same standard to judge everyone. It doesn't matter whether you have God's law as a Jew or whether you don't as a Gentile. If you have God's law, you will be judged by it. And if you don't have God's law, you are still accountable to obey His law. Ignorance of the law 
is no excuse. Take your Bible and turn to Romans chapter 2. Today we'll be looking at Romans chapter 2, verses 12 through 16. In Romans chapter 2, verse 12 through 16, Scripture says, and I would ask that you would stand with me please in honor of the reading of God's Word. Scripture says in Romans chapter 2, verses 12 through 16, For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are just before God, but the doers of the law will be justified. For when Gentiles who do not have the law do instinctively the things of the law, these, not having the law, are a law to themselves. And that they show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness and their thoughts, alternately accusing or else defending them on the day when, according to my gospel, God will judge the secrets of men through Christ Jesus. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd give us understanding of how these words apply to our lives and even apply to those who have never heard the gospel. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now in this passage, Paul talks about having the law. What in the world is he talking about? What law? Well, the law that he's talking about is basically the Ten Commandments and all the other regulations that flow from the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments, as you might recall, were given to Moses after the children of Israel escaped out of Egypt. And so the Ten Commandments were given to the Jews. They were given to the Jews, and so the Jews had, they possessed, the law of God. And so keep that in mind when we look at these verses a little bit closer. And we're going to answer a very important question before we're done. What will happen to those who have never heard about Jesus? Now, Paul introduces two categories of people in Romans chapter 2, verse 12. Those with the law and those without the law. Both groups commit sin. Those with the law and those without the law of God they both commit sin. And the question then becomes this. Do sinners who possess God's law have some special type of status in God's eyes? Are they somehow exempt from judgment because God gave them His law? Verse 12 talks to this. It says, For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. Okay, got that? So having the law, that is, being a Jew, does not exempt you from being judged. In fact, if you do possess the law, you'll be judged by the law. So, possessing the law of God does not make you acceptable in God's sight. It doesn't matter whether you have the law, what matters is whether you keep the law, whether you do the law. Verse 13, it, Paul writes, For it is not the hearers of the law who are just before God, but the doers of the law will be justified. And so for religious people, like many of us, who believe that being religious gives us some type of get-out-of-hell card, well, you're wrong. It doesn't. Just by being religious, just because you have a Bible, even if it's King James Bible, 
That doesn't mean that you're exempt. You're not exempt from God's judgment. And for Jews in Paul's day, or even today, who believe to be Jewish, conveys some type of special status in God's eyes that would exempt them from God's judgment. Verse 13 is very much a shocking and offensive idea. And it's this, being part of the chosen people of God does not exempt you from His judgment. And so if you want the law to declare you to be righteous, you have to obey it perfectly. You have to obey it perfectly. But what about the rest of us? I mean, what if, like me, you're not a Jew? You're a Gentile. And so Gentiles, and Gentile is basically anyone who's not a Jew. So Gentiles, like me, are not part of God's chosen people. We weren't given God's law. The Ten Commandments were given to Moses again after the Jews were led out of Egypt by Moses. And the only way that we Gentiles might even know about God's law, might even know about the Ten Commandments, is if somehow we learned it from the Jewish people. God gave His law to them. And so if you've never been given God's law, let's take this scenario. You've never been given God's law. I mean, it's obvious. You can't obey it, right? I mean, you're just going to do your own thing and hope for the best. The chances of obeying God's law when you don't possess it are pretty minuscule, wouldn't you say? I mean, imagine if we were to drive around Lubbock and uh, there were no stop signs. There are no speed limit signs. There are no stoplights. There are no traffic signs of any type. And you were to go downtown, there are no one-way directional markers. None whatsoever. No sign anywhere to tell you what to do at certain intersections or how fast you could go or, or even how slow sometimes you're allowed to go. Can you imagine trying to drive around Lubbock like that? Good luck at not making a mistake and breaking the law. Now, Try to imagine living your entire life to please an invisible God, never misspeaking, never acting badly, and always making the appropriate sacrifice at the right time. It's not going to happen. You're just not going to be able to do it perfectly. In the end, you will fall short. You will not be righteous you will not be acceptable to God. And it's all because you don't have God's law. And I would add this, that every once in a while, you might get something right. Every once in a while, you might stop where there used to be a stop sign. And you might get something right, but you won't live perfectly. So sometimes you'll get something right. Sometimes people who don't have God's law do the right thing. They do. Sometimes they do. Verse 14 tells us this, For when Gentiles who do not have the law do instinctively the things of the law, these people not having the law, they are a law to themselves. What Paul is saying is that people who've never even heard of the Ten Commandments sometimes obey them. I mean, there are outwardly moral people who are not religious people. There are people who've never heard of the Ten Commandments that honor their father and mother, that never murder a soul, that never commit adultery, and on and on we could go. Paul says 
that even though they don't have God's law, they are a law unto themselves. In other words, God's law is not just written on tablets given to Moses. God's law is written on your heart. Every person's heart. Every person's heart. We know what is right. We know what is wrong. Verse 15. Paul continues, he says, in that they show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness and their thoughts alternately accusing or else defending them. Now this has implications. For every person who's ever lived, even those who've never heard the good news of Jesus Christ, God's law is written on all of our hearts. This affects our conscience. What's our conscience? Our conscience is that little voice within us that tells us whether something is right or wrong. And so the law of God written on our hearts affects our conscience, and then those thoughts end up in the end either defending us if we did something right or accusing us if we did something wrong. You know it in your conscience. You just know it. You just know. And so, if you're a Jew and you have God's law, you'll be judged by it, whether you obeyed it or not. And if you're a Gentile, and even in the most extreme case, you've never even heard of God's law, you'll be judged by your own conscience, by the law of God written on your heart. When will this happen? Verse 16. This will happen on the day when, according to my gospel, God will judge the secrets of men through Christ Jesus. There are no secrets that you can hide from God. None whatsoever. God knows everything. And God will judge even the things that you keep in secret. Even those things that you take down to the grave. Guess who the God of the grave is? God knows. He knows everything. So let me answer two final questions. Number one, is God saying, or is Paul here, when he writes this, is Paul saying that people who live a moral life and whose conscience doesn't really bother them, they are somehow going to escape the judgment of God? Is he saying that those people are safe? No. Even extremely moral people will face God's judgment. See, the issue is not how moral you've been. It's not that issue at all. It's the simple fact that you haven't obeyed God's law perfectly. Whether we're talking about the Ten Commandments or the law of God written on your heart. And so you'll still face the same judgment from God as someone who has the law of God. Question number two. What about those people that have never heard the gospel? Is it true that God judges them and sends them to hell? I mean, how could that possibly be fair? Fortunately, this issue is addressed by the Apostle Paul in Romans 1.20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen by all people, 
being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. In other words, God has revealed himself through his creation so that everyone understands two realities. Number one, that God has eternal power. And number two, that God is God. Everyone understands those two realities. Even those that try to suppress those thoughts. Every single solitary human being ever born on the face of the earth, whether it's in a first world country, a third world country, or a, an unreached tribe, understands that God is God, and they understand that He is an eternal God with eternal power. The problem, according to Romans 1, is that although people knew God as God, even though they know this to be true, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him as God. Instead, they worshiped other things in His place. In their pride, they rejected God and they lifted up their own futile speculations to replace God within their hearts. Therefore, they are without excuse. This is not a problem facing only those who have never heard the gospel. Every human being on the face of the earth has turned away God's revelation of himself to them. For that person, or for that reason actually, all of us are without excuse. There's no excuse for any of us. This raises another question, and this is the most important question of all. What is God doing about this? In other words, how does God respond to people around the world in order to save them from this predicament? Or does he do anything at all? The good news is that God does respond. It is not the desire of God that anyone should be judged. And I'm going to give you a real-life example of how God responds. Years ago, the people of the Wycliffe Bible Translators, a fantastic ministry dedicated to translating the Bible into the native language of unreached people groups all around the world, they went to Ecuador with the gospel, five of them on this missionary team. And while they were there, the people that they were trying to reach, the Harani tri uh, Indian tribe, speared them to death. Many of you know the story of Jim Elliot. It is this story that I'm talking about. Later on, the relatives of those missionaries that were speared to death went back to the Hurani tribe. They opened a mission with the very people that had killed their husbands and their fathers. And those people led many of the Hurani tribe to Christ. Now later, two of those Hurani chieftains boarded a plane when they flew to Dallas to present their testimony to a large gathering of people at a conference for evangelism and world missions. And those chieftains said in their native language and their speeches were translated into English, those chieftains said, you may think that while we were spearing each other to death in the jungles that we thought nothing of it. You may think that it was just 
the noble savage. But that's not true. We always knew that we were offending a God somewhere whose name we did not know. You may think, they continued, that when we ran around in the jungles naked, that we thought nothing about it, that it was just the way we lived. But no, we always knew that we were offending a God somewhere whose name we did not know. And finally, in the desire of our heart to know about that God, God sent back some more missionaries after we had killed the first, who faithfully led us to Christ. End quote. Now I want to share with you two truths from God's word. And please do not just hear the first truth. Please hear both of them. Both are true. Number one, every person is guilty of refusing the revelation of God in his or her own heart. Number two, whenever... Wherever in the world there is a man or woman who cries out to God with all of his or her heart, Lord, I want to know you. Lord, I want to know what kind of God you are. That God will make it possible for that person to hear the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. God will send a witness to that person who seeks after him. This is what I call the Cornelius principle. You know, in Acts chapter 10, Cornelius is a God-fearing man who sought after the Lord. Scripture says that he was a devout man and one who feared God with all his household and gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. This is a man seeking after God. But Cornelius did not know about Jesus. And so God sent Peter to Cornelius, and Cornelius and his household were saved. Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. By the way, when he said that, he's not talking about getting a raise at work. He's not talking about getting a new car. Jesus is talking about getting God. He said, ask. And it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone, these are Jesus' words, everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. God will respond to the person that seeks after him. Even that person giving limited revelation of God only through creation and the law of God written on their hearts. The good news is that God is so loving and so merciful that He makes Himself available to every person who seeks Him. We always want to ask, will God send to hell those who've never heard about Jesus? And usually when we ask that question, it is nothing more than an academic exercise. It's nothing more than us wanting to know some type of theological trivia that we can check off our box. Usually when we ask that question, it's not because we're so moved to do something about it. The question should not be, what will happen to those who've never heard? The question should be, for those who have never heard, is God available? And the answer to that question is yes. God is available. God will make himself known. 
if they seek after Him. The Bible clearly teaches this truth, that for those who have never heard, God is available. God said in Jeremiah 29, 13, You shall find me, when you shall seek for me with all of your heart. The problem with man is not that some have not heard the gospel yet. The problem of man is that not very many seek after God with all their heart. Now we have, as those who have the gospel, we have the responsibility to take that gospel not only to our neighbors but around the world, to every people group that has never heard the gospel. But let me ask you today, have you ever sought God with all of your heart? Have you ever cried out to God and said, God, I don't really understand you. I really don't think I know you. But I want to know you today. Please, God, show yourself to me today. I want to receive you into my life. Listen, if you do that, you better hold on because God is ready at that point to reveal Himself to you. And you will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. For those who haven't heard about Jesus and for those who have heard of Jesus many times, God has a promise. Those who come to Him, He will never cast out. So how can you respond to God today? Today I'm going to show you a, a video and I'm going to ask uh, Ron, if you would in just a minute, turn the lights down. But I want to introduce this video first. If you listen carefully to this video, even if you can't see it real well, you'll know how to respond to God because this video features an English translator by the name of Steve Saint. Steve's father, Nick, was one of the five missionaries killed by the Hurani Indian tribe in Ecuador. And the team that later returned to the Hurani tribe and led many of those people to faith in Christ included Steve. And one of the people they led to faith in Christ was Menkaye, the man that Steve is translating for. Menkaye was one of the Hurani warriors that killed Steve's father. Menkaye will tell us how we should respond to God. Later, he says, when I was living badly, badly, then what happened? Then Star, uh, Aunt Rachel, and Woodpecker, Aunt Betty, she's very tall, long neck. He said, they came, and they are the ones that taught me God's markings. My heart was dark. My heart was dark like this. How could I see? How could I see? I, nobody had ever showed me this trail. I didn't know how to walk it. I said no to the king. What the king said, I said no at first. But God called my own name to him. Now my heart is not dark anymore. God sent his own son down here to the dirt so that he could show us how 
Why would any of you not want to be coming after ones? Why would you not want to walk the same trail that God's own son, his only son, marked for us with his blood?